0: Hello and welcome to the Autocar Business Changemakers podcast, in association with Tomorrow's Journey. I'm Felix Page. I'm Autocar's News and Features Editor, and joining me today is Chris Kirby, CEO of Tomorrow's Journey, and Xavier Collins, Vice President of Churo UK. Chris, a fascinating guest for us to have on for our first episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's great. Uh, Turo being one of the really established mobility players in London and have been for for a long time. So it's going to be really good to get this as a uh, kind of baseline for our discussions through the through the series. Um, Zabi, I guess you've been doing this for a long time, uh, but give us a bit of intro to yourself and, and and also to Turo if people don't know who they are.
2: Sure thing. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Awesome to be here on the first one. Very exciting. Um, yes, I mean I, I've been doing Turo for five years now uh, in the in the UK market uh, for my sins. It's been um, it's been an amazing journey. I mean, Turo is the, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. So it's it's basically an app that allows you as a car owner to share out your car when you're not using it and make money through doing it. People often um, liken it to Airbnb. And as a, as a guest, uh, as someone needing to access a car, it's just a really simple way of booking a car through your phone. Um, but you know, you can find a car close to you that's hopefully well priced. And, and we have like a great selection, all the different kind of vehicles out there. That's been yeah, what I've kind of been doing the last five years, setting up and launching the business in, in the UK and, and expanding uh, into Europe. Uh, before that, I was um, lucky enough to be at Deliveroo for a couple of years, so joined uh, Deliveroo in the first 30 people um, back when it was in a small office in, in Fitzrovia in London and was able to scale with them. Uh, and I've kind of always been involved in startups. I was When I was at university, I was uh, part of the early team that launched Uber in Australia, so um yeah kind of been been lucky to work for some category changing companies and but Turo I have to say has been has been the most exciting rewarding journey today
0: just picking up on something you mentioned in your background there working with Deliveroo and Uber it strikes me there probably couldn't be two more relevant companies uh to what you do now so what have you taken from them that that uh that, that applies to the Turo business model
2: um yeah, I think that's that's a great question. I say um, so. The the unifying theme is marketplaces. I've always loved marketplace businesses. I think the reason why I love marketplaces is there's something fascinating about um, creating an idea uh, or creating a model which you know m- may already exist in terms of like you know people are already taking taxis or people are already getting takeaways, but it was like um, you know slightly innovative it was like a new way of doing it putting that out into the world and then watching two random groups of people kind of interacting over it like you're truly changing behavior and I think it's kind of like running um experiments in a way like it's, it's just fascinating it's fascinating to see human behavior change and I think um that's what I love about marketplace businesses you're really just connecting people in like a new medium and so you know I think a lot of the things I learned uh through you know really through watching at uber and and you know i think doing doing a delivery but but i guess in more of a driving seat at, at turo has been um it's 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 a lot of pattern recognition it's a lot of the same stuff when you're launching a marketplace like, i mean to give you some kind of concrete easy examples um the the first thing is is when you first launch a, a market um supply really matters so uh, in the context of Uber, that means having drivers. In the context of Deliveroo, it means really good restaurants. Uh, and in the, in the context of Turo, it means really good hosts. So so car owners who are putting their cars on the platform. And so it's it's not just supply; it's about quality supply. Because quality supply is is always what brings demand. And so. Um, what that basically means in, in Turo's context, the learning we took is okay, how do, how do we, how do we build quality supply early? And, and really that means um, giving, giving owners, car owners like a really good reason to try this product out, investing in things like professional photography in the early days, Airbnb did the exact same thing uh, and making sure that the first time people come to the app, you know, particularly something like car sharing, which is a relatively, you know, new idea. and and, and quite strange for people um we want them to have an amazing experience like we want them to see an awesome selection of cars we want to we want them to know that the owners on the platform have been vetted have been coached they know how to give a good experience and so yeah i think that that is just a, that's something i've learned through those businesses that kind of we translated into how we launched the uk market here which was you know focus on high quality suppliers one of the first things you do
1: Yeah, fascinating. And I think you must have seen some real change in that five-year period with the pandemic coming right in the middle. Yeah, So you'd have had some of those early launches building, I guess, some real change in the supply and demand through that time, but then also maybe people rethinking their relationship with cars uh, post-pandemic. So, I mean, how's that that journey been for Tura?
2: Yeah, um, it's been yesterday, today's, and tomorrow's journey. Um, uh, I think it's been... uh, it's been one of the most uh, challenging, intense chapters of recent history to launch a travel mobility business, um, as as you know you would you would know. And I think um, it's been it's I think it's made us so much stronger as a company. It's really like given us huge focus on like what matters. Uh, to give you a sense, you know, we launched, uh, you know, before the pandemic, we had we were the fastest growing market. Uh, ever for Turo. So Turo operates, you know, predominantly in the U.S. U.S. is our kind of home market. We've been around for 11 years now. Um, We're also in Canada. We're also in Australia, and we just acquired a business in France. Um, But when we launched the U.K., you know, we we, we kind of exploded out of the gate. And London became, you know, a really, really major market for us very, very quickly. And then the pandemic hit, and, you know, we kind of had these these, um, rolling lockdowns and you can imagine that that was that was extremely challenging because you know i remember overnight the the business just shrunk by 80% you know and that that was uh challenging not only from like a uh you know commercial level but obviously from like a human level um i think i think going through that crucible really uh improved improved us as a team and like actually like yeah as I said like focused on allowed us to focus on what what matters um I think a couple of things have like come off the back of it that have like fundamentally changed the way society's operating and have created actually despite the the headwinds that that were those kind of two years have created like long-term tailwinds that are really supporting the business so you know some some examples of the things that have kind of come off the back of COVID that I think are, you know, hopefully hopefully here to stay. There's there's um, a renewed passion for and, and focus on on travel. Um, there's a there's a real kind of relishing of experiences, uh, which I think Turo plays into a lot. It's it's all about how can we give people access to an amazing experience. You know, if you want to be, if you want to drive in in Scotland, you can get a Land Rover Defender. If you want to um you know zip around london you can get like a, a a porsche you know or you can get a you can get a new ev or like a you know a prius or whatever it is that you need for that experience we want to be able to facilitate we want to be able to facilitate it everywhere in the world eventually so uh that's been like a big kind of macro trend for us that the kind of re-emergence of travel and then obviously one of the things that's come off the back of covid and and like, you know, as we've kind of gone into this next chapter of history is, uh, you know, people are, people are really struggling with the cost of living. Mm. Um, I think that what that was, that's, a, you know, a big thing. I'll park that just for a second. And, and the other one is um, the rise in entrepreneurship. You know, I think uh, COVID gave everyone a real chance to think about what they were doing and, like, what does it, it matter to them? And we've seen, like, a bit of a, you know, we've seen a, a boom in, like, the kind of number of... Uh, you know, uh, what's what I'm thinking about? Like, you know, the kind of entrepreneurial like pursuits of people are starting to pick up on the side or whatever it is. And, and so those two things have played a massive role in shaping our host community because, uh, people have realized, you know what, I can make money sharing out my car. Um, I can, I can offset the cost of car ownership. I can put, you know, 500 pounds a month back into, my finances to help start to offset the um, higher cost of living, and and then what's been fascinating is we've seen an absolute boom in, in what we call power hosts. So people who have actually given up their full time careers to 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 build a fleet on Turo and, and actually do it full time and be their own boss, so to speak. So that's that's a long long answer to it, but a, a great question, and that's how COVID really shaped yeah so that
1: kind of fleet operator or power host as you said is a really interesting thing i mean that was part of the airbnb transition i guess it was started off as people renting rooms in houses to make a bit of extra cash and then kind of realize actually now become more of a professional kind of host market and it's interesting to see that that change is happening here as well and, and maybe links back to your kind of very first point about having the quality supply because i guess if you've got the fleet owners and uh, i remember when when we first met and we were talking about dealers putting cars on and you go yeah. oh the de- dealers can put ten cars on, but that then you you kinda of get a professional experience, you get a dealer experience, you go to a dealer to pick it up or a dealer delivers a car to you and that becomes more than um the kind of real local local level thing. So it kinda of helps to balance out some of that, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a really I I actually uh, I forgot we talk about dealerships, but yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um so 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 two things I think. The the core of the business is that kind of like human, just like Airbnb, that like human experience-led interaction. Um, you know, how can, we, how can we connect people, you know, in, in the same way that someone can share out their home and that creates, you know, the ability for someone to, you know, live in a new city, in a new country. We have so many people interested in booking cars because they want to test drive it or they're interested in electric vehicles or, or whatever it is. And so like there's that real human element to it that, that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. But I think um, what's been fascinating is, on the on the on the personal side, seeing people who got into one car, two cars, starting to realize that I could build a really valuable business here. Um, the the um, the thing in the the thing in the U.S. we've seen is like people building you know hundreds of car fleets on on Turo's platform, um, and it kind of allows them to align their passion, which is cars, with their way of making money. Um, which is which is cool, but on the on the dealership point, um, it's it's super interesting. And I think actually to the to the first question you asked, like what are the kind of um, parallels between Deliveroo and Turo, Um I think the dealership side is like a huge opportunity and something we haven't really scratched the surface of yet. But the way I think about Turo's product for a for a dealership is it's the exact same revolution that would hap- happen with restaurants mm. and Deliveroo. So if you think about a restaurant. Um, prior to Deliveroo, they had, you know, they had the same, um, you know, kind of space, the same number of covers, the same chefs working, the menu, etc. They had all of the operations of the business already running and working. But what Deliveroo came in and did is it basically opened up a whole new customer base, but leveraging their existing assets. Uh, and so, you know, overnight, you could basically dramatically increase the revenue that a, that a restaurant was doing. By putting a tablet in the site and doing all of the marketing, customer support, facilitation of deliveries, and the restaurant wasn't having to invest in in scaling up. Now, what's happened because of the growth of deliveries, you've actually got you know jobs that are being created in the restaurant industry specifically focused on like managing the tablet, um, which is which is amazing to see. But for for dealerships, I actually think the exact same thing is possible, which is you know, a dealership has access to cars, it has um you know staff uh, working in in the in the site who can provide a great experience um, and they have uh, you know a a, a a solid location it's ideally you know central or like near where people are based and this is basically a, a quote-unquote tablet it's actually just an app on their phone yeah. but it will it will send them um, customers who are like potentially interested in buying the car anyway and um, it will it will handle all the customer support it will handle all of the insurance and so this is a way that for for dealerships that have cars sitting there idle that aren't being utilized or ones that are you know are being utilized for test drives this is a way for them to sweat those assets uh, and make and make money um, without having to invest in any kind of operational scale up in more staff etc so and we we've, we've seen it with um i think it is Nissan in the in the US where you know, we were able to generate over a million dollars of, of revenue to the Nissan dealerships through sending them customers.
0: And what does it mean for the OEM who then maybe faces a future where people are test driving their cars? They are bringing their cars back to the dealerships. They're using them for that weekend away that you presented earlier, but then maybe giving the car back. Uh, and there's no fixed purchase point then. They they've they've The dealership has uh, exposed themselves to the customer. Churo uh, has, has has got some fantastic exposure out of that. What does it mean for the OEM, that relationship that you have with them?
2: So I think there's there's two ways that it works. One is that um, I, I think it it involves, re- I mean, this is, I personally believe this is going to change the future of mobility, right? And so if I'm in the OEM dealership space, I should be thinking about, given that this is a, you know, one of the fastest growing companies, you know, in the UK right now and, and globally, and this is a trend that kind of it's, demonstrating that it's continuing, how do we leverage this? Um, how do we play into it? Um, and I think there are two very clear paths for that versus versus resisting it. Um, and I, I think the first is uh, my understanding with dealerships anyway is that they have they have a particular fleet that's utilized for test drives uh, or like a, 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 go, a dead fleet or a ghost fleet. I'm not sure what the correct terminology is, but uh, there are cars that that actually are ROI negative in terms of like, they're not actually generating revenue or cash for that business. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you turn that from an asset? It's just the same argument for everyday tour hosts in the the wild, you know? How do you turn something that's like a pretty bad financial investment into something that pays for itself or actually makes money? Um, So I think that's that's the first thing is like, you can overnight turn on a new revenue stream that could could completely um, alter the business model. Of OEMs and dealerships, actually, by by playing into the future of uh, mobility trends, which is sharing. Um, but I think on on the flip side, and and like we have such great evidence of this, um, tours like been an amazing uh, lead generation tool for OEMs and uh, and dealerships. I mean, I actually had someone book my car the other day. You know, true true story because they were thinking about buying one. I have a Range Rover Sport. And um, it happens the whole time, and like particularly in the EV space, to be honest, because I think people like still have a little bit of, you know, cautiousness around whether an EV is right for them. And so what we see a lot is people booking an EV, getting an extended test drive, and then going on to buy one. So I actually think that this could become this could, if done correctly, you know, this is this is this is me just hypothesizing. It could completely completely replace the te- the traditional test drive experience
1: yeah it's fascinating that kind of whole area really i get asked a lot about um who's best placed to benefit from the mobility change and all those things and i think um people like dealerships and kind of rental businesses people that have got vehicles a location and people stuff exactly, are pretty yeah. well placed i think it's an interesting question about the oems and how it impacts kind of the market overall is that I think this will form part of a mobility mix for people, right? It won't stop people buying cars or people might move from buying to subscribing, but maybe they, instead of buying two, they subscribe one and and share one. Maybe they're taking test drives for longer. Maybe there's a bit more of a free flowing movement of vehicles between um, customers where they're not stuck in something for, for four or five years um, and this is a kind of key key part to that so I definitely think that's super interesting and in how the, the dealers play but it's the bit you said about not resisting it, I think one of the key things we're going to keep coming back to I think on this is about yeah, where do these businesses, the existing businesses actually start to um, embrace change versus resist it I think mm-hmm. it's an interesting challenge in this market
2: I, th- I think the challenging thing, it's a, it's a great great point, I think the challenging thing that OEMs have, I, I once read this example of um, they're basically uh Playing at a casino with five different roulette wheels, and mm. and one of them is EVs, yeah. one of them is autonomous, one of them is like sharing, you know. It's like where do you put your money? Mm. And you know, the challenge is that like a lot of them are trying to like place bets everywhere and not go fully in on either. I think I think EVs have you know ultimately kind of won, won the day into like the near term investment. But yeah, I think um you know I think I think there's a very interesting concept of like will OEMs start to Build vehicles with sharing in mind. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can they can they actually start to manufacture cars that are purpose built for for sharing? Because if you can if you can reframe the concept of ownership mm. and and therefore reduce the perceived cost of that asset, it should increase your sales. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they should lead to each other. I don't think you're going to find. A kind of notable cannibalization of sales, if anything, particularly the people that embrace it first, are more likely to see a, an uptick in these things because, as you say, we'll get more bums on seats, it will get um, people in the vehicles, and then maybe it's a, a bit more of a case of getting them into. To the right type of type of vehicle as well. I think it's. it's I think also the changing model within dealerships, without wanting to go down, you know, agency model tangent. Really, it's not a discussion for this, but yeah, you know, it is difficult at the minute because uh, an OEM will have 50, 150 dealers, of which they'll be owned by fifty different companies, and getting everybody to do the same thing. So hard, yeah. When the OEM owns the fleet, they can go, hey, actually, look, we're going to partner with euro We're going to do something on test drives directly, and we're going to sell directly and subscribe. And it's easier to make that. You know, operation because it's under a single thing.
0: That's really interesting you say that because another opportunity that, that you, you did mention briefly but I really picked up on was that you can expose people to life with an EV, mm. for example, that's very low pressure for the end user exactly. because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they could spend a weekend with an EV with a range of 150 miles and they can then see if that works for them. Mm-hmm. They've not got the pressure of, uh, of going to the dealer and, and returning yeah, at a fixed point, making yeah. a decision right there and then do I put the money down? Uh, and they can experiment with multiple cars with multiple ranges over multiple weekends or even in the week to test the commute. So are you finding that a lot of people are are using Turo for that exposure for yeah. that experimentation? Totally.
2: Totally. It's uh it's fascinating. I mean the people who use it, I think that's I think that's where I really see the the kind of game changing potential of this business. That's like a that's a that's a use case within a use case. Yeah. But actually, you know, this is about providing people access to vehicles mm. in, a, in a new way. And to the to the OEM point, I think, is um, what, I, what I'd what just add to it, is ultimately, at, at the highest of levels, you want to be going where the people are going. So, you know, if you've got one of the fastest-growing new ideas, and it's not even a new idea, it's been around, I mean, Turo's been around for a long time. It's, it's a very hard business to scale. It's taken a long time. It's been around a similar amount of time to Airbnb. Um, but you know has has reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of of, of cars on the platform now and, and millions of trip days. And uh, the, the rate of growth and the and the kind of like the 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 time in market point to something very clear, which is that this is a changing behavior pattern and it's kind of where people are going. And so if you're an OEM I think that that counts for a lot. You should be, you know, if I was in an OEM, Sam, I'm not just saying this as someone who uh, from Turo, but I am I just, just kind of honestly, I think I'd be looking at like, well, what are the future ways in which people are using cars? Yeah. And what, what's the data saying? And if so, if, if a, and this is just one particular thing, by the way, there's like lots of different ways, lots of different interesting businesses doing stuff in mobility, but I'd be thinking about it in terms of, well, if if sharing has now got like demonstrated traction and fast growth, that's something we should be thinking about as like a future opportunity yeah i think
1: also the bit about the marketplace in that as well because we definitely see oems looking at sharing models across the suite. we we work with a couple doing small scale pilots the problem i think when any of these mobility models are kind of oem specific they kind of close themselves off and i guess when you're saying it's difficult to, to scale you guys are agnostic of brand agnostic of age of car um, but even then, it's difficult to get critical mass outside of kind of key hubs. Mm. Um, so I think that there's that kind of inherent benefit of working with a marketplace like Turo, where you can, I guess, expose the vehicles to a much wider audience, rather than saying, well, I'm going to start Audi sharing from my dealers, but you have to promote that as like a single thing, and you've got 200 locations nationally, but only yeah, 1,000 vehicles, it makes it quite limited.
2: So so the the secret sauce to Turo, like one of the most fundamental reasons for our success is selection mm. like without doubt and the um it to the first question it's the exact same thing it was the exact same thing with Deliveroo actually like in the early days of Deliveroo the success really came from the fact that you could get Nando's deliver, you could get GBK you know um and I remember when we would sign up when we first signed up Wagamama and it just went crazy <laughs> um and it was just like the most first obvious example in my life of how selection giving people, you know, options that they care about just drives this conversion flywheel. And, and it is so fundamentally true of Tura. Like I I cannot stress to you enough that the, um, the thing that really underpins our success is the fact that when you open the app, whether it's like in LA or in London, you can see a selection of different types of makes and models at different price points so you can get something from like 20 pounds a day 30 pounds a day to like 500 pounds a day Uh, but you can filter by like convertible by EV by make model and you know it could be the case that actually like people just want a Prius to go around London for a couple of hours but what brings them to the app and what gets people to talk about it is the fact that you can rent a Mustang or you can rent a Tesla and you can rent you know a Tesla for 100 pounds a day
0: this is, this is fascinating to me uh, because of the industry that we're in. This is uniting the two concepts of mobility. You've got the, that freedom to explore, the Ford Mustang, if you like. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the A to B, I need to do this journey. Public transport maybe doesn't quite work for it for, for whatever reason. I just need a small electric car to get from the station to home. Exactly, yeah. Uh, from the office to, to that meeting that I've got. Um and actually, it's really interesting to hear you speak about how mobility is changing. You're quite well placed to to maybe forecast changes that we might expect to see over the coming years. What's 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 the biggest change that you're factoring into your projections?
2: Um, that's a hard question. I don't I don't think uh, from from I guess from what I've seen of people trying to make these predictions, I feel like no one's well placed yeah. because, uh, you know, how many times you heard that autonomous cars are coming in the next two three years or, or whatever it is. So. I'm I'm loath to fall into the same trap. I think that um. I I can I can speak within within Turo's context, right? Versus like the the broader market. Because I, I think this is something that I'm, I'm pretty confident, will be emerging. Mm. Um, because we've also seen it with Airbnb, is the um, emergence of like longer term bookings, mm. like longer duration bookings. Sorry, so you know Airbnb has seen that trend, particularly with the, kind of like um, change in the, the way we work now. So, you know, a lot more people are working remotely. Um, there's a lot more flexibility in the kind of working environment. A lot of people have decided to, um, spend more time in, in different places. And that has had a a immediate impact on Airbnb in terms of their, their mix of trips from, you know, the typical, like two or three days away to, uh, you know, like the four week stay. And if you actually look at Airbnb's website, they're doing a lot to really promote that um i think that for just just for the pure reason that people are going to be tra- traveling in that way it will have a flow-on effect to, to Turo. but i think that there is going to be a a potentially like emerging trend in people looking at using services like this but but booking a car for a longer period of time so a month two months three months and then changing um but doing it in a way that's more flexible than the current models that actually exist out there i think so many people have tried to crack that um and i don't necessarily think anyone's really succeeded so it's definitely something we're looking at and we're interested in like you know, how can we how can we improve the Turo experience and the app and the way that we're pricing to um give people that option i mean today you can you can book a car for 30 days for 60 days but you know we're not really set up to to satisfy that that longer duration trip and i think that's going to be a growing area and that's going to change in the later because
1: that's the key thing for airbnb where they made the change in the price point because it's you know up to 30 days becomes a addition of the number of the daily price and then yeah. all of a sudden it goes to a different monthly price and i exactly. guess that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. the challenge isn't it is if it's if it's three months at 100 quid a day for a tester it suddenly looks really expensive but actually if for that utilization Point for the host and it's a professional host I guess in that scenario you know, it, it tends to make a bit more sense
2: well the thing is, is there's a lot of value a, a long duration trip is a really valuable trip but we, you, we just need to carve up the value in a way that it makes sense for everyone you know the guest needs to get the benefit of the fact that that's typically a lower risk trip so if you just think about it from a a pure time spent driving perspective you know if you're if you've got a car for Thirty days, that car's not being driven a hundred percent of the time for thirty days. It's actually stationary during a lot of the time. Um, if you're booking a car for eight hours, you're driving a lot. Yeah, you know, so you know, so there's there's a there's a reduction in risk. Um, there's uh, huge value for the for the owner of the car sharing it out because that's high utilization for them. They're getting a higher. They're earning. They're sweating that asset. They're earning more money, uh, and it's it's great from a Turo perspective because you know that one transaction is worth a lot more to us right and so given that there's value on all sides how do we carve that value up and give it back to the to the users
0: it's going to be really interesting to see how you manage that that change in model because with cars certain cars uh, maybe combustion cars specifically if you're looking at a multi-month loan, you don't want to be in a position where someone says, "Yes, you can have my car for three months, but the MOT is on the 12th. If you wouldn't mind running it to the yeah, local yeah, garage, yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs an oil change and all that sort of thing." Yeah, so yeah.
2: That's- no, this that's a great question. I mean, these are these are the things we need to like as we start thinking about that as a as a. I mean, I guess I don't want to give the impression that that's like our, our current primary like our current primary focus is we've we've got a lot on our plate. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I think with the existing use cases that we serve there's there's a lot to be done we really want to grow our our network outside of london you know we've got some great hosts in in scotland and manchester uh you know we, we want to build out that network across the uk and and continue to improve selection improve, improve convenience and all that kind of stuff but um you're you're 100 percent right like when you know as we start to think about how do we serve longer duration trips things like that these are exactly the kind of things exactly what it's like running a startup as you as you know you know sometimes you you learn through doing oh this is a this could happen how do we solve for that you know and and so um it's a great it's a great point and something we'll definitely have to think about
1: yeah definitely it's fascinating one of the things i was interested in picking up on that you mentioned earlier is about the cost of living i know you picked up that's one of the the key areas but um uh, have you seen that's a, been kind of a push for both sides of the model? So uh, I guess people wanting to make extra money from the car that's costing them money maybe on a finance agreement or something they own. Um, but equally, people trying to get cheaper access or um, yeah, access the cars more when they need them as opposed to kind of buying or renewing or something. But how, what are you seeing the trends around that for
2: So, so yeah, 100%. Um, uh, really, really great question. I, I think uh, so we've seen it impact both sides of our marketplace. Um, on the on the demand side, so on like the car booking side for guests, uh the increase in price in in secondhand vehicles that happened over the last couple of years, you know, the unavailability of like vehicles, um, really drove, and then and then also quite frankly, like the kind of car rental crisis of the last couple of years where car rental prices were just extreme, um, that really drove mass adoption because people realised. You know i may not actually need to own a car if i can just access one when i need it and accessing one when i need it through my phone is cheaper like saves me money it's more convenient and it's cheaper than buying one um so or and it's and it's like certainly cheaper than going to like a traditional car rental so um that was like a massive um kind of driver of adoption on the, on the guest side um on the owner side, yeah, again, a hundred, hundred percent. That was it. That's been it. That's been a huge, a huge thing. I think, um, you know, I, I share my car out on on Turo. Um, it pays for itself, which is pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I share it out uh, on average like eight to ten days a, a month. Um, it's actually I said to you guys before came in. I was going out this weekend, which I'm, uh, you know, actually quite devastated about because it's a it's a bank holiday here in the UK, and I wanted to use it, but had to uh you know had to be qual had to be a good host quality supply uh i think i think you know just from a personal perspective it's um it's awesome that through sharing my car out you know just over a week a month I pay for it yeah. um and i think that a lot of people have when they first hear the idea of toro they they think this is this is a bit strange I would never give my car keys to a stranger but then they ask you know, how does insurance work and then you know the, to answer it you know the car the the trip is fully covered by Turo uh, and our insurance partners from the start to the end and so once they realize that they can do it in like a de risk way and they realize that they can actually make really good money from it, I think the average earnings is about 400 pounds a month wow. um you know they give it a go and then once they give it a go uh some of them buy another car and and go from there or, or they just do what I do and kind of leave it at one but mm. consider their car as like a cost neutral mm-hmm. asset
1: yeah i imagine that's a, a challenge quite a bit again i remember in our early days talking about just generally sharing of vehicles and more flexible access and that was particularly within the automotive industry people go like, well i wouldn't i don't want to share my car out but actually i guess it's a thing that's becoming more common uh, and maybe it's a thing that the, those types of people are they use the service first and then go hang on this is all right and i didn't trash the car when i used it so maybe yeah things so. like it's
2: yeah. funny um when I, I called my dad when I was leaving Deliveroo to say I would accepted this job at this business and I described what I did and he was like, you're insane. <laughs> He's like, no one's ever going to do that. Yeah. That's, that's crazy.
0: That's really interesting because your dad is uh, predicted by next question really, which is why, why has Turo made such a success of this? Because the OEMs have dabbled in car sharing, are still exploring avenues in that sphere. Um, Turo's business model is unique in, in various ways, but why why do you think it's captured the imagination of the market?
2: Uh, I think selection is like giving that breadth of selection mm-hmm. at good prices uh, is 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 fundamental. Um, you know that that's ultimately what it, what it always comes down to is is can you provide an amazing service that's convenient, well priced, and gives people selection gives Mm -hmm. people a choice um if you can solve that problem that's that's the first part of the equation like can you solve that problem and and the answer is you can um not not easily it takes time you know we've been in the uk for five years now and we've we've grown significantly obviously we had a a, a challenging period during during COVID, but uh you know we've we've reached kind of critical mass thousands of owners, you know renting out their cars um but we we got there through focusing on that, solving those problems for guests, and taking our time and, and being kind of relentless in that pursuit of quality. Um, that's that's stage one, and then and then stage two is can you solve a problem for owners, and and how do you communicate that solution clearly? And so, you know, the solution for owners is um, this is a kind of risk free way to monetize an asset that's sitting there idle 95% of the time. So in like plain language, you buy a car, you, you rarely drive it, it sits there on your driveway and it's costing you money. This is a way that you can put it on a platform, make money from it and be covered by the insurance product of that of that business. And, and so through time and like just, just solving that problem and communicating it clearly, you start to change behaviour, and then and then the flywheel starts turning. But um, it's it's. I don't think it's like anything. I think it's I think it's literally just um, kind of relentless focus and and optimism that you will eventually change behaviour. That's how we got here. But you know, still a long way to go. Still a long way to go.
1: Optimism is the key focus of any startup person, particularly <laughs> if
2: you're dealing with the uh, UK insurance market. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah I can yeah. imagine. Do you find um, a bit just in terms of that kind of adoption and, and growth a bit about the demographic as well? Because I'm thinking, you mentioned about your dad, I'm thinking about the, the auto market people that have kind of said to me about this and usually kind of the senior exec, older generation of, you know, but are you, is there a real, I imagine you've got a real age range, but is there a real, um, do you notice the adoption coming from a younger audience for this?
2: I think, I think like most kind of software products, you've obviously got your, your early adopters um, which typically will be, you know, a bit younger, um, you know, used to using their phones, you know, kind of prioritize convenience and 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 technology. Um, we've definitely moved mass market, which has been one of the coolest things to see. I mean, we do these uh, we do these host community events where we get our hosts together in a room, and you know, we do um, power host, you know, kind of. So we have we have a we have a category of host. Uh, so car owners who are like deeply embedded in, like kind of like the Airbnb super hosts mm. um, same, same kind of thing we'll do like these round tables where you know they'll meet with some of the team and give feedback on how they're enjoying like they're, if they're enjoying or not enjoying the product what do we need to work on etc and you know we get hundreds of people come to these events it's it's so so cool and, and the like diversity of people that do car sharing it's just like truly amazing um, we have and then, and that's on the host side. Then on the guest side, we've got people, you know, there's there's um, seventy year olds renting cars on tour, and there's there's twenty five year olds, um, you know, obviously there's that 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 early adopter mix that we really started with, but it definitely has has broadened out. I think the um, the thing that always the kind of penny drop moment for people, like particularly like you know my my dad's generation, and I think I, I maybe even used this argument with him in the early days was. You know, you have no problem with with a stranger staying in your home. Like, if you actually think about that, it's kind of weird. You know, yeah. like it's it's weirder um, to give a stranger access to your to your to your house yeah. than than your car. I mean, it depends. You obviously have some some car enthusiasts whether their car is sacred. you know, we, we may never convert those people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I just just quick quick. I've been talking for ages, but one quick anecdote that just reminded me of it. Um, when I was at Uber um, back in the day, this was this was you know this is when Uber was called um, Uber Rent. It wasn't even called Uber, and uh, how it worked was it was a way of just booking taxis. And um, I'll never forget it was the night before UberX launched, and Uber X is what Uber is today. And I was, you know, I was, I was like an intern. I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of there to hand out the flyers. Um, but I remember talking to the, uh, the head of APAC um, and asking, like, what is UberX? And he said, well, it's this idea that anyone can t- take you somewhere in their car. And I was like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's never gonna work. I was like, wait, what? That's what's launching tomorrow? I was like, that, that doesn't make any, uh, people would never do that. that, that's ridiculous. And then he's like, well, what do you think a taxi is? Yep. And uh, it was just this crazy penny drop moment where I was a light bulb moment. And I was like, wow, that's, you know. And, and so now I actually, I seek out companies like that. Mm-hmm. I think companies that sound like a crazy idea at first actually have the potential to change the world. And you know, I think when my when my dad reacted like that, it wasn't. It, it was just like it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, here, this is there's a real opportunity here." Yeah. yeah,
0: it's just frustrating for me, really, because I'm going back in my head thinking of all the cars I've sold that I maybe could have justified keeping if I'd put them on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not too, not too late. But then I am quite particular about my cars. Yeah, that so uh, that's the thing. I'd uh, I'd we, be one of these people. You we
2: have, have a, we actually, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that because we have a lot of car enthusiasts, not only as guests but as hosts, um, you know, people who are truly passionate about cars, uh, they, they love Tura, mm. and e- even as a host, because, um, you know, obviously if you've got like your one pride and joy that you just do don't want anyone else to go in, this is not going to change that calculation because you're not trying to offset the cost of owning that car. It's, it's a sunk cost, you know, it's like, a, it's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. But if you're really, really passionate about cars and you want to collect lots of different types of cars, this is an amazing way to build. And, you know, you're interested in like the mechanics of cars or you've got like a great network in the car industry. You know, you can build a really valuable business on this platform and it's a way of combining a passion for cars and a collection of cars with a revenue stream. And so actually like, you know, particularly in the US, we've got like a ton of car enthusiasts. Uh, and I think in the in the US, in particular, because we've been a bit around a bit longer, um, we have a, we have um, a lot more scale. We actually have even greater selection. So we've got like classic cars, and you know, some some ridiculous Lamborghinis, etc. on the on the platform in the US. But those people love it. You know, they get to have like a fleet of Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and also rent them out.
0: Yeah, to cover some of the costs. Yeah. Pretty enticing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Fascinating. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you very much for giving us some insight into into what you're doing. I can't wait to see where it goes next. I think uh, what you've told us is, is hugely exciting for, for the end user, for the car owner, perhaps for the dealer as well. I mean, there are some avenues here that maybe we hadn't considered before. So
1: thank you for giving us that insight closing thoughts Chris yeah just uh, just echoing that really I think it's been uh, been fascinating to see the journey so since we first met pre-pandemic moving through uh, as you say the headwind times and now into some tailwind times I think uh, yeah definitely a key part of the mix as the the market's going to change I think so it's great and uh, great to have you on first first episode it's a good benchmark for everyone else too no That's
2: hey thank you so much really enjoyed it um massively appreciate the opportunity
0: thank you for coming in and thank you to you for listening and watching You can find this podcast wherever you get your favourite podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, and the rest. And you can find out more information on every guest we have at tomorrowsjourney.co.uk. Thank you very much.